Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you this morning. My name, as Pastor Luke said, is Reverend Crawford Stevener, and I'm a, I'm a guest of the Presbytery Commission up here on the, the front row, the intimidating guys with, with the jackets on up here um, from the uh, Presbytery of, of Northern Illinois. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to be here this morning. As, as Luke said, I'm the campus minister currently uh, with RUF at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California in the San Francisco Bay Area. And previously, I was in North Carolina. Um, and so it's, it's great to be here with you. Um, I've never been to Champaign-Urbana or Urbana-Champaign. Can't figure out which one to put first yet. So uh, thank you for uh, you know, helping me through that after the service. But um, it's, it's been really wonderful to visit. Uh, RUF, if you don't know, stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and it's the campus ministry uh, that's affiliated with the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, which uh, this congregation, All Souls, is affiliated with. And uh, as you can pick up from the bulletin and from some of the comments made already, uh, today is a special day. It's a momentous and a joyous day for, for Ethan Brown. But I, you could argue, and I think it should be considered a, a joyous day and a momentous day, maybe even more so, for uh, all souls as a congregation, for the, the gospel-preaching churches uh, in this community, for the presbytery, uh, really any person interested in the spiritual well-being uh, and the kingdom of God advancing at the campus of uh, Illinois. And so it's, it's a really wonderful thing to be celebrating today. Um, we will be ordaining a new minister of the gospel this morning, and he will be sent to your community, to your church, to your neighborhood, and with a particular eye uh, towards your campus. And this is a gift. And it's, it's not a gift to Ethan, although he's excited about the opportunity and thrilled to be here, and as you get to know him, um, you'll enjoy him. But uh, according to the Bible and seen from the lens of Scripture, uh, this is a gift uh, to Christ's church. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 this morning as our sermon text, and considering that a, a minister is one of Christ's special gifts to his church. Now, you don't hear a lot of sermons uh, from ministers about the gift of a minister to the church. Uh, might be a little awkward if week after week Pastor Luke was uh, up here talking about how he's a gift to you all, although you of all people know uh, what a gift he is um, to this church. But I, I want you to see this morning that, that ministers, while still sinners and uh, we have our struggles and are, are human in every kind of way. We're not particularly special people. Uh, but we are actually part of God's plan for building up his kingdom. So it's a very special thing this morning to be uh, participating and being part of a worship service that incorporates the ordaining of a new minister. And, and I hope that's something that you uh, can reflect on a little bit this morning and even uh, the rest of your day. So uh, let's look at our sermon passage. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verses 4 through 16. I'll read the passage now, and then I'll pray. So this is God's word from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, 
When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Let's pray together. This is God's word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gathering of your people to worship you and to give you all glory, praise, and honor this morning. I pray that you will bless the reading and the preaching of your word. We ask that you will do uh, what you promised to do with your word, which is to not let it um, come back to you empty or void, but that it will accomplish its purpose. So, God, we pray now by your Holy Spirit that you will leave us uh, changed people by encountering you in your word, by your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Jesus' disciples were so happily surprised when Jesus rose from the dead and reunited with them during his earthly ministry, uh, even though he had predicted it many times, because they imagined that the kingdom of God would be enacted in its full final state right then. Like they thought they were going to be presidents of Palestine and they were going to get all the power and everything was going to be great right then. And so it was a great surprise to the disciples who later become the apostles that after Jesus conquered the grave and rose from the dead and appeared to them, uh, that he was going to leave them again. Uh, the, the book of Acts discusses this. Um, they, they sort of are standing around in Acts chapter 1, looking up into heaven dumbfounded, like, like where to go? I thought we were going to do this thing together now that he's conquered sin and death. And what is, what is, a, what is termed the ascension in theological terms uh, describes uh, Jesus' going up into the heavens to assume his position at the, at the right hand of God the Father, uh, departing from the earth. And uh, if the church is supposed to be centered on the, the reign and the rule of the risen Christ, there's this question that the early church in the first century was asking, why are you leaving us? Where are you going? Why has this happened? I mean, can you imagine what this would have been like if you knew him or you, you saw the resurrected Jesus? It kind of reminds me a little bit of what happens sometimes in sporting events. I'm a big basketball fan. At the, at the end of certain NBA games or college basketball games where perhaps the home team is up by one point and they have one last stand on defense and the team, the, the, the visiting team goes and they shoot and so they miss the basket and the buzzer goes off and the crowd goes wild, the bench is clear, everyone's rushing off the court, but, but then the referee goes over to the replay booth and he looks and everybody's waiting and, and uh, there was actually a foul on the play. And they have to get everybody back on the floor, and the visiting team comes back on. They hit two free throws, and the home team loses. 
And it's so anticlimactic, and the air is sort of all sucked out of the stadium or the arena or the Colosseum. This is, this is a very small picture of maybe what was happening uh, in this moment when Jesus has ascended into the heavens. The disciples are left there. They're like, wait, what just happened? I thought we won. Now he's leaving. Now, it's interesting that Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 8 through 10 uh, talks about this very moment. Paul is like looking back onto this moment and giving commentary and a little window into to why did Jesus ascend and, and what happened when Jesus left the earth into the heavens? What was going on? And he says uh, there in verses 8 through 10 that Jesus was, was fulfilling all things. He was fulfilling the scriptures that had said in Psalm 68, 18, that, that the Son of Man, that Jesus would, would ascend into heaven and receive gifts from the Father, and then, and then distribute these gifts, and particularly the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church. So during Jesus' earthly ministry, he talked about this, right, to his disciples, that there was going to be someone coming. There would be a, a comforter or a helper. There would, there would be somebody else coming. And he promised them that uh, he would never leave them, and he would never forsake them, and yet he goes. And so what's happening? Well, well, when Jesus goes up to heaven, the church wasn't being forsaken. This church has not been forsaken. Jesus has not forgotten about us. He's not left us to fend for ourselves. But Christ departed in order to impart the Holy Spirit, to give the great gift of the Spirit to the church. Now, that's kind of a baseline understanding of what was happening as Jesus ascended into the heavens. But what was he doing? What was he giving when he gave this gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, earlier this morning, we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, all these different gifts that the Spirit gives the members of the body of Christ. And this is a, a New Testament book written uh, by Paul, the same author. He's writing to a different church in Corinth. This church that we just read is in Ephesus. And he's just describing to, in 1 Corinthians 12, all these different gifts that the body of Christ receives. Um, each one of you, everyone here in this room that, that knows Christ and has been filled with the Holy Spirit has a gift or a number of gifts given by Christ by his Holy Spirit in order to serve one another. Well, that's an incredibly important thing for you to know. So you sit here this morning, you are a valuable part of the body. But that's not the topic of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 doesn't, contradict this idea that everyone has a gift to serve the body. But Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 really focuses on one particular gift that Christ, when he left the church, poured out through his Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to look at that today in Ephesians chapter 4. First, I want to look at the unity that the gift of the Spirit brings. And second, I want to look at the gift of a minister, which begins in verse 11. So first, unity, verses 4 through 7. Uh, if you look at your passage again, if you, if you can look at your text, this just jumps off the page at you. You probably heard it the first time you read it, right? There is one body, verse 4, and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. If you're an underliner in your Bible, or if you're the type of person that takes that, I mean, this is just easy What's happening here? What's the point here? I see this word coming over and over and over again. Paul is very concerned with emphasizing to the church, uh, the church in Ephesus and the church today, to all souls this morning, that unity in the body of Christ 
is of paramount importance to God. That there is only one Jesus. That there is only one Holy Spirit. That there's only one gospel. There's one baptism. So there should be one body. We're not to be divided by political views, by your socioeconomic status, by your ethnic or your cultural differences. We are to be one in Jesus. Now, of course, this, this unity is incredibly difficult to achieve. Perhaps it feels impossible to achieve in 2021 with all the polarizing effects of culture and the sin in our own hearts. And maybe it is impossible by human means. And even as early as the, the churches in the New Testament, if you pick up your Bible and you read through the New Testament, you see people in the church fighting with one another, quarreling with one another, strife and struggle in the body of Christ. But nonetheless, Paul keeps emphasizing there's one faith. There's one body. We are one in Christ. But being united and being one does not mean we are all the same. That's important to kind of wrap your head around. To, to be united and to be one doesn't mean that we're all exactly the same. Paul goes on in the next verse, in verse 7 of chapter 4, to say, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So, just because we're one in Christ doesn't mean we have the same gifts. Jesus is measuring out different gifts for different people. And he, and he speaks of this, like I mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, right? There's a hand, there's a foot, there's an eye, there's an ear, right? There's different roles that we all play. They're not meant, these differences are not meant to divide us. It's actually the opposite. They're meant to unite us and to build up the body of Christ. So, What's happening in Ephesians chapter 4? Jesus is raised from the dead. He ascends into heaven. He's sending his Holy Spirit to, the, to earth to guide the church. He's not going to forsake us. And the Spirit is giving gifts according to Christ's measure. And what are the gifts? People. The gifts are people. You see that? In verse 11, he gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers, which is just one, one role. The gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that Christ gives are people. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it's a particular subset of people that, that Paul is talking about. It's people that minister the Word of God. It's people that speak on behalf of God, His Word. Apostles, prophets, and evangelists uh, these were offices held during the early church um, before the Bible had finished being fully written and gathered together and codified in the, in the way that we have it today. There, was these, there were these unique word offices that Christ had given for a, a provisional period of time. And, and because of that, they were attended with some special gifts that we heard about even in 1 Corinthians 12. There was speaking in tongues, and there was the doing of miracles and healings to, to see that these people really were from God. And until, until we have God's final word in his scriptures, uh, there was a period of time where this was going on in the church. And since that, that has is, that is passed. We call this a cessationist view. If, you, if you're curious about stuff like that, Pastor Luke would love to take you to coffee and walk you through that. It's an important thing to wrap your head around. Now, one of these roles remains to this day. And that is the shepherd teacher. It's ordinary. It remains. You don't get the superpowers of healing and speaking in tongues and all the cool stuff. 
But the shepherd and teacher is, is there. And this is a pastor. This is a minister. So, congratulations, church. Like, you've got a free gift, right? You think about prices, right? You're like, come on down. What's behind door number two? Is it the, is it the speedboat that you wanted? Or is it the, the new kitchen appliances with the induction range? Like, what, what's happening over here? Okay, what are you going to get? No, it's a minister. That, that's the gift. That's the gift that you get. So, you know, as, as, the, as this church kind of considers, what is it that we need to reach the lost, to grow in unity, to grow into maturity? What do we need? What does all souls need? It's not, it's, not, it's not the education wing that you want. It's not the repaving of the parking lot. It's not the better bathrooms. Um, it's not a physical building. It's not a social media strategy. I mean, these are, these are fine and good things to allocate your resources and figure out what, what would help this church. But as Jesus departs the earth, what he thinks the church needs to the end of the age is the gift of a man called by God who would teach, encourage, and remind you of what God has said and what God has done in the person of Christ. And everyone in this church and everyone on that campus needs to hear from God's word what is right and what is true and what is beautiful. And that's the gift of a minister. That's why Jesus gave, it, gave us ministers. And uh, in some ways, the gift of a minister, right, it's, it's the gift you need but not the gift you want. Uh, you know, it's like some of you on Christmas morning are tearing open your gifts and it's that, that sort of same gift that you get from that same relative, uh, whether it be a pair of socks or a little clock that you're supposed to stick somewhere that you've got like six of them now. Uh, the, you know, you're kind of like, what, you're grateful that this person remembers you, but it's, you know, have they heard? Have they, do they know about the Apple store? Is that, is that like, you know, <laughs> do they know what you're really looking for? Um, you know, I have four daughters and, you know, oftentimes there's a lot of things that they want, but as a parent, your role is to figure out what is it that they need? Well, in Ephesians chapter four, we see very clearly what Jesus thinks his church needs is a minister. Uh, the, the gifts in verse 11 are all, as I said, tied to the, to the teaching uh, or the preaching of God's word. So if you want the, the unity that is so um, elusive and desirable, if you want growth into maturity and a thriving um, faith once delivered, uh, what we need is a, a steady diet of a man called by God who will teach us the scriptures. A minister is supposed to be uh, able to do these things. If you were to kind of study what does the Bible say about a pastor, um, he's to, to rightly divide and handle the word of truth. Uh, he's to preach not what your itching ears want to hear, um, but what God says. He's to deliver um, not his own personal opinion, but to deliver the word of God to his people. And this is why God has gifted his church with someone that comes in a form of a minister. It's not in the form of an uber-competent uh, salesman uh, or, or Superman figure or someone who uh, demonstrates tremendous organizational skills uh, like, a, like a CEO or has incredible um, business acumen or cultural savvy. But a minister is supposed to be able to handle God's word and, and tell you what it says so that you can live and that you can flourish. Why do we need such a gift? Uh, Paul uses two metaphors in verse, uh, verse 14, uh, he talks about children growing up. 
into maturity. There's like a natural kind of growth trajectory here. He's talking about growing up into adulthood. And then he talks about being tossed to and fro from the waves, uh, giving this kind of image of a, of a ship or a vessel on the sea that's getting battered during the, the, a tempest or a storm, just pushing you to and fro. Uh, so these things are important to kind of unpack. Uh, first, you know, little children, they're easily deceived. Uh, you, can, you can lure them away with the proper incentive, whether it be, you know, screen time or candy, right? You can, you can kind of easily move them uh, to where you want them to go. You can confuse them with a card trick or sleight of hand. Uh, and if, you, if you're a grown-up in the room, uh, you may not like being compared to a, a little child. Uh, but this is, this is what Paul's saying spiritually can occur without a steady diet of the scriptures, that we can be led astray. We can be deceived. The content that we sort of orient our lives around can shift underneath us, and we can be influenced by other forces or pressures or new sources than the God, what God has given to us in his scriptures. Uh, the, the ship metaphor is, is relevant here, too, as we, as we think about the different uh, pressures we face uh, at work or in the home, um, on social media, the cultural currents that we, that we see. Uh, God is not, God has said, I'm not going to leave my people unanchored or untethered to be carried away by the latest fad or political movement or philosophy. And, and this, this can go either to the right or to the left. God is saying, I'm going to give you an anchor tied to his word, tied to the word. So, those of you in this room, you work at the university, graduates and alumni, professors, students that are here, anyone who can claim the, the fighting Illini in any kind of capacity, right? Uh, when you consider this campus right over here, I'm not sure which way it is. It's one of these ways. It's near here. It's very close. When you consider this campus, Aren't you glad that God is sending them a pastor? And there, there's always, you know, the question of, of resources, right? We, we live in the, the real world. There's a bunch of people that have a bunch of different strategies for how we can consider this campus nearby and how we can be a witness and light for God uh, in this place. Uh, and, you know, should, should we send a, a platoon of young people uh, who, are, who are very savvy with, with the current culture and social media or whatever? Should, should we launch a sophisticated program? Should we pass out books and Bibles? Uh, you, you could come up with hundreds of different models for how we can reach that campus. And, and there are people here that have been blessed by, or maybe even people that, that work for ministries with an eye towards the University of Illinois. And please hear me say that I mean, God uses all of these things, manifold different things, to extend his kingdom there and everywhere. Praise be to God. But I want to just tell you that, that the PCA and RUF in 1973, a little history lesson here, uh, they decided that what our college campuses really need, according to the scriptures and you know, this group of pastors, is the college campus really needs a minister. That's what, that's what the campus needs. Um, and there are some inefficiencies with this decision. Uh, you're calling a, a man, uh, in this case, a man with a family. You know, Ethan is married to Amanda, and 
There's Judah and El, uh, you know, Judah and Ellis and hopefully many more Browns to come. We'll see. Uh, but, but he can't go storm the campus, whichever direction it is. He can't go storm the campus. Somebody point for me out there. Uh, with 52,000. Okay, we're getting conflicting this way. <laughs> 52,000 people. You know, he can't go storm the campus by himself and take it over. But given the reality that Christ's church is going to be exposed to the waves and the tossing and the turning, uh, the, decept- the deceptive ideas that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, given the unique nature of the university context and the, the free exchange of ideas and the cultural pressures that are there, Christ has said, I'm going to send my people a pastor. And that's a gift. Uh, most of the people in this room listening to the sermon are not ministers. And you're kind of thinking, like, where do I, where do I come into this story here? Um, what, what are you supposed to take away from a worship service that's, that's so... Um, focused on um, ministers this morning. Well, so first of all, it's one Sunday out of, out of 52 here this year, so we get a little extra dose here. But this involves you. you, you th- there's a so what for you here too. Um, first of all, it's worth all, all of us, ministers included, uh, we have to be willing and honest to ask ourselves, are we in a position where we are being deceived on what is true and right and good and beautiful? Uh, have we been blown off course? Um, and, and if so, uh, are we willing to look at the scriptures and, and realign our, our compass? And uh, if, that's, if that's you this morning, if you have questions about how could this be true, uh, this doesn't seem like a good thing what I'm reading in the Bible here. Uh, I've got a lot of questions about the church and, and the history there, uh, go, go to Christ's gift to you and your, your pastor and your minister and elder of this church and ask your questions. Join the conversation. Uh, if, if, if you want to be anchored somewhere, um, commit to a local congregation. Submit yourself to uh, becoming a, real, a member of, of all souls if, if you live here and this is your community. Um, don't, don't, don't expose yourself to uh, being blown around by whatever pressures without being anchored to the Word of God. Now, uh, another, another thing you can take away from a, a, a sermon on the gift of a minister is to, to thank the Lord for ministers in his church, to praise God that he's sending uh, ministers to his church and that he's about to send a minister to that campus. And uh, Pray for your pastors that are announcing the, the good news of Jesus and pray that they can be faithful to, to deliver not their word, but God's word according to the scriptures. Support them. Pray for their joy. Pray that they don't get bitter or defeated. Remind them that, that God wins and that he's on the move and that this is his plan. And pray that he'll continue to raise up ministers in your midst. Pray that, pray that the churches can multiply in this area and as you prayed before for churches in the presbytery and churches in Asia and all over the world, pray that God will continue to pour out his spirit and continue to rise up ministers. Maybe you here today are called to be a pastor. Maybe God is working in your heart. And if not, you're called to be a member of this body. That's why we read 1 Corinthians 12 earlier in the service. You have gifts too. Uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to lead to unity and to maturity. 
So use your gifts, whatever they are. Use your gifts of business to help lead or support or resource the church. Give generously. Some of you are are brilliant academics. Use your uh, quest for knowledge to be a wonderful resource for this church. Use your gift of service. Now, to the, to the ministers present here on the, on the commission, to myself and to anybody here that is a minister, uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'll speak for myself, um, not speak for them. But it's pretty easy to question if you're a minister, am I really, am I really the gift to God's people? Uh, I know the feeling of, uh, all too well of, of, of being received like the gift um, on Christmas morning that's the pair of socks. Is it, am I the gift that... They don't seem that happy that I'm the gift here. Um, and, we, you know, we understand that our, our value at time as pastors is, is not fully appreciated. Now, if that's you, it's, it, I understand it. And, you know, pastors aren't perfect. They make all kinds of mistakes. But I just want you to consider what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4 this morning, because you may not hear a lot of sermons on this. Uh, what, what is, what is Jesus' plan to support and anchor and grow up his people? It's, it's gifting a man to say what God says. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know what God says, you don't know what the gospel is, you, you don't know much of, of Christ, you're here because a friend asked you or found your way here, or, or if you, you're questioning, I don't, I don't know if this is worth my time, if this is a, if this is a God that I want anything to do with, well, I want to leave you at least with, with one word that, that God says. Uh, I would encourage you, if that's you this morning, I encourage you to read Romans 10, a book in the Bible. And uh, the good news of Jesus in Romans 10, verses 11, I think in one particular sentence I'll leave you with, uh, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. That's what God has said. Anyone, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So whether you're here this morning and you're an eye, you're an ear, you're a, you're a foot, you're the, the spleen, whatever, whatever body part you want to pick, or your favorite one is, you're part of God's glorious body of faith. And if you believe in him, if you believe in Christ, you will not be put to shame. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we can... Um, pray and support and encourage our our ministers this morning. I pray, Lord, that you will um, give a vision for every person in this room for how they're supposed to use the gifts that the Holy Spirit have given them to pursue unity and maturity for the body of Christ. I pray for the congregation of all souls, uh, all the churches in this presbytery. Lord, I pray in particular this morning for students at the University of Illinois. I pray that you will prepare a place there for RUF, for Ethan, for all those that will be called to to labor under that banner um, and ultimately under the banner of Christ um, to tell the good news of Jesus to that place. We give you the praise, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.